0: Welcome to Jyotish Conversations, I'm Ben Collins. This is a series of programs presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web. Each show in this series presents an aspect of Jyotish, or Hindu astrology, in simple straightforward terms, so the depth and brilliance of this knowledge can be appreciated by everyone. In this week's show, Penny Farrow presents the ways in which the relative strength of planets is determined, and how these rules of Jyotish are derived from observation of the natural world. Hope you enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Well, good afternoon, Penny. How are you?
1: I'm very well, Ben. How are you?
0: Good, good. What's our topic for today?
1: Well, I think I'm going to continue along in a logical uh, progression from what we've been discussing for the last few sessions, which is you know, basically um, an understanding of what a Jyotisha chart is really representing okay. and the kinds of information that's implicit uh, by where the grahas uh, the show up, where the rashis show up, what bhavas wind up tenanted in by grahas, why certain bhavas have certain rashis on them. And most of that we now have taken care of. Right. Um, When we discussed how a North Indian chart, South Indian chart was put together, we talked about uh, basically the idea that one was based on the fixed stars, the rashis, uh, which is the South Indian chart, with the variable being where the rising sign gets placed, where the Ascendant gets placed. And then we talked about the contrast with the North Indian chart, which always fixes the first bhava uh, and the eastern horizon in a particular location, and then rotates the rashis through the chakra, through the actual chart representation, depending on the time of day and what was sitting on that eastern horizon. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, I think, took care of that hopefully pretty thoroughly. And then it became a question, uh, since we had kind of the, the view from planet Earth um, uh, in terms of defining the Bhavas, which is an Earth-based consideration because it depends on the rotation of the Earth, right. um, and tying that to the fixed stars, the Rashis, which wind up appearing in the various um, Uh, directional points in the in the night sky so that kind of took care of the the highest reaches the 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 cosmic reaches of the fixed starry band and Mm -hmm. the earthly considerations of the bhavas what we haven't really discussed much is why are the grahas popping up where they are in a particular uh, location in the chart Uh, and we took care of that in our last meeting uh, in the sense of, we discussed the motions of grahas, uh, the relative speed in which they move, uh, relative to, uh, to each other, the kinds of um, idiosyncrasies in their orbits, uh, and all of these very interesting um, astronomical uh, considerations that wind up being meaningful for interpretation because many of them are based either on our direct perception of the grahas or, uh, the anumana, the inference, um, that comes from, uh, understanding these relative motions. Right. So we wind up in a place today where we've covered the three sections, the, the earth consideration, the bhavas, the movement of the grahas in through the, uh, through the ecliptic, mm-hmm. uh, kind of that intermediary band. And then the Rashi's, which uh, comprise the fixed um, starry uh, sort of eternity of the heavens. Right. Okay. So now, why did we do all of this? <laughs> <laughs> what was the whole reason for this? Well, the whole reason for this is that this um, cosmic kaleidoscope, so, uh, so to speak, um, and the pattern that gets set up after we finish all this mapping, Means something <laughs>
0: right right
1: all of those little pieces or windows of the sky that we 've assigned rashis to carry tremendous um, uh, import in terms of thematic material that the sages of this tradition have cognized to be germane to all aspects of our human existence. Mm-hmm. And the grahas themselves and the rashis themselves also bring with them, um, certain modes of action, certain personalities, so to speak, if we speak of the grahas. And I always liken this situation, uh, my favorite analogy when, um, I'm doing charts and explaining Jyotisha is think of this cosmic kaleidoscope pattern as a picture of the Parabdha Karma for this lifetime. So it's kind of in an abstract sense, uh, a snapshot of the backpack that you brought into this lifetime. And think of that Parabdha Karma as a play that you wrote. And in fact... That may be more true than uh, analogous, so to speak. (laughs) You know, it's the piece of the sum total of the Sanchita Karma that you are um, enacting this lifetime. And we've discussed this way back when we did um, the lectures on karmic theory. Mm -hmm. So this is the Prarabdha Karma for this lifetime.
0: And the the planets are just, in in a sense, symbols of the type of karma that you have. So you know, Mars is your aggressive karma, Jupiter is your knowledge karma, that kind of thing.
1: Well, that's true on one level of reality called um, the, you know, the archetype, so to speak, or what Shastra says each of the grahas stands for. So we have a very formal term for that. We call it um, graha karaka tattva. So when people look at Saturn in a horoscope and they say, that's bad, well, you always have to ask the question, uh, you know, for what? What is it that you're discussing before you can make any evaluation? Because mm-hmm. every graha uh, has some very good, strong, positive parts of their portfolio. And some grahas who are shubha grahas, you know, positive grahas, depending on how they function in a particular horoscope, can deliver quite a blow as well. So, this very simplistic way of looking at things belies. Uh, the beautiful elegance uh, of what constitutes a jyotish chart's representation of the complexity of human life. So our job, however, is to sort out how potently a graha will deliver what has been written for it, so to speak, and who are the drama queens, (laughs) you know, who are the powerful heroes, um, who are the temporary villains, because it will always be temporary. You know, Even a graha that is trouble, in some sense or another, somewhere, somehow in time, will not be trouble, will be supportive in another way. But for a particular um, question that someone may be asking, for a particular um, uh, avenue in life, a particular um, theme in life, um, they may have different things to say, um, which are supportive or unsupportive. Whereas in another theme, they may switch around as who's supportive of that theme. So it's it's not child's play. It's a it's a complex, beautiful, um, revered to be revered system. So in trying to sort all that out, sounds like how would anyone sort all that out? It's a good question. <laughs> uh, One of the, uh, one of the things that we can rely on, one of the places that becomes an extremely important consideration is understanding which grahas are strong, which grahas are very weak. So we're working with the ends of the seesaw. What becomes problematic in interpreting a chart is going for the karma that's neither fixed nor unfixed, kind of that gray area, and trying to make a prediction based on that. So most Jyotishis, seasoned Jyotishis, understand that they start their interpretations with the ends of the seesaw, what's very strong and what's very weak. And then the question is, is what is very strong Bringing out auspiciously strong or drud themes or inauspicious strong or drud themes. You see, because just because a graha is strong doesn't mean it's universally auspicious. Correct?
0: Correct. Absolutely.
1: However, it is true. And this is very important and often overlooked. It is true that a graha who is strong, even if it gives a good punch here and there, will be somehow protecting its Graha Karaka So, for example, a strong Saturn that may cause a lot of trouble uh, for someone is still going to give a person, if it's a good strong Saturn, is could still give the person a certain um, ability to be consistent, to be durable, to persevere, to bear burdens. See what I'm saying?
0: Oh, absolutely. So sure.
1: it's and a good strong Mars. You know, even if there are other little endearing features of endless arguments uh, that may come up, but that good strong Mars actually Mars. Um, um, its very name um, indicates a, a kind of the, a, a kind of bright auspicious one. So there's a nobility about a good, strong Mars. You know, uh, the the warrior that is fighting to protect, you know, so there's a, a kind of dharmic sense about that good, strong Mars. And also a good, strong Mars gives tremendous innovation, uh, groundbreaking innovation, a visionary. So everybody, Rahu, you know, who also gets a bum rap? Oh, Rahu K2. Oh, Rahu K2 are responsible also for originality, cutting edge technology, innovation. K2 is universal. It's very subtle. It can be spiritual. Um, now they can have their rough side as well. But um, everyone functions both at a higher and lower, um, uh, I guess, vibration, you could say sound new agey (laughs) there's a big range of possibility and why we want to do a chart is to understand what that graha is doing in a particular chart and kind of encourage it to function at a better um, in a better way for that particular uh, native by uh, advice uh, known formally in the system as upaya or remediation and that could take many, many forms, and we'll, we'll talk about that as well. I know something very dear to your heart, man.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: <laughs> However, our starting point, before I kind of get too enthusiastic about all these other things, I tend to get enthusiastic, you may have noticed.
0: Right, right, right. Well, me too. <laughs> um,
1: is to understand what constitutes a strong graha, technically speaking, and what is a weak graha, technically speaking. Okay and uh i'm going to deal with the ends of the seesaw you know there's a lot of subtlety this as well but i i want to keep it um manageable so we could say uh and and we get this lead from shastra shastra's very clear about what makes a graha strong and what makes a graha weak and let's start off with um kind of the highest first graha tells us or graha, Shastra tells us mm-hmm. that if a graha is in its exaltation rashi I'll explain what I mean by that Ucha is the is the term mm-hmm. then that graha is radiating light it's very strong so what does that mean well what it means is that the that the uh, sages have um, cognized that there is a particular uh, rashi there 's a particular constellation that each of the Navagrahas feels very uh zingy in it 's kind of like you go to a particular friend 's house and there 's just something about that friend 's house the vibe of that house and you just operate at a at a your highest peak performance level when you 're there you just feel like a million bucks and you 're kind of zingy um the interesting thing about that, although that sounds wonderful, and and in many ways it is, uh, graha is said to have dignity when it's exalted, um, and it has in fact a, a quantitative measure of strength. There is a quantitative system for measuring strength. I'm not going to go into, and in, you know too much detail, but um, there is something though about feeling zingy in some place that is a little bit. Um, hyper we could say um, so it's 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 good and it's wonderful and it gives auspicious results um, a lot of the time and you'll notice I'm qualifying this and I will um, give the reasons for sounding a little bit conditional on this because it is a little conditional mm-hmm. uh, and the reason for that is most of the time with one exception when a graha is in this exalted or ucha Um, state or avasta, then, um, it is not in its own environment. Um, it's not in its own bhava. Kind of the real estate analogy. It's renting someone else's house and it loves that house that it's renting, you know, operates really well in that house, but it's still conditioned. Its happiness in that house is still conditioned. On the landlord and it's possible to be renting you know like a castle and it can have lousy plumbing and if the landlord is a derelict and won't fix the plumbing then the zingy wonderful experience in that particular house or bhava in this case Mm -hmm. is diminished somewhat so as wonderful as Ucha is, radiating light and all of that, it's still conditioned on the fact that with the one exception of Mercury, um, that graha is dependent on the goodwill and uh, financial capacity of the landlord to take care of their property. Right. So, uh however... In terms of this concept of what makes a graha strong, this list that we're developing, this idea of uccha, an exalted graha, is strong. It's given a lot. uh, It's given strength in the in the um, quantitative scheme, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and also just in this kind of thumbnail sketch of powerful. You know, uh, we're developing a portfolio that we could say these are the conditions under which a graha is strong, and we can um run with that right down from that and in some sense um you know although it may not be quantitatively valued as high the 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 concept of a graha who is in its own bhava uh and own bhava means that the rashi that that graha um is correlated with as the ruler of that Rashi. And mm. I'm not sure we actually covered this concept, but all of the Grahas, with the exception of Rahu Ketu, and there's even some um, classification for them as well, are correlated um, in the uh, in the Agaba, in the tradition, with one of the 12 constellations. So for the five um Tara Grahas, the five true planets, mm-hmm. those Grahas that are actually planets, they each, so to speak, lord or own two Rashis each. So Mercury owns uh, Gemini, Matuna, and Kanya, which is Virgo. Right. Venus owns Tula, which is uh, Libra, mm-hmm. and uh, Rishabha, which is Taurus. Mars owns uh, Scorpio, Rishika, and it owns uh, Mesha, which is Aries. And then Jupiter owns uh, Mina, which is Pisces, and Danu, which is um, Sagittarius. And then Saturn owns uh, Makara, which is Capricorn, and Kumba, which is Aquarius. Mm-hmm. That takes care of 10. And then the two luminaries, the Sun and Moon. Um, moon, of course, owns uh, Karka, which is uh, Cancer. And the Sun owns uh, Leo, Singha. That takes care of our 12 Rashis. So Shuragraha, be transiting through its own rashi on the day of a birth or a question or whatever it is we're examining mm-hmm. that graha is going to wind up being in so to speak its own sign which then will or constellation which then will wind up getting uh, linked to depending on what the rising sign is one of the twelve bhavas but then we could say it's in its own house okay mm-hmm. that condition that state is known as swasta and swasta means at ease comfortable Mm. so think about this if you're in someone else's house you can't paint the wall without asking for permission right right you're in your own house you could do whatever you want (laughs) put your feet up on the coffee table you can sit around you know in your pajamas Whatever, you know, whatever, you are comfortable. You are in your own house. So although it's not quite as vaunted as utsha, radiating light, there's still something very, um, flowing about a graha that's in its own house. And the concept is a graha will take care of what it owns. Even a scoundrel will take care of its own. Mm -hmm. So the idea of a planet in its own house, that bhava, whatever the meanings of that bhava are, are looked after. That's why we say even a strong malefic uh, can operate in a good way because it looks after its own bhavas. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Sure. So if you have a weak graha, and you think that oh I like that because I want my malefic to be weak? No, you actually don't. A weak malefic winds up acting like a loose screw. Mm-hmm. A dignified malefic, an, an Ucha or a Swa malefic, even though you can make the case that that dignified strong malefic. Is going to have a little more power to deliver problems, mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. delivers it in a kind of predictable way. It's yeah. not like a loose screw. It's kind of like um, an elegant jewel thief, <laughs> you know, that plans, you know, an elegant heist and does it in a very elegant way, uh, compared to someone who'll stab you in the alley for a five bucks. Sure. See what I'm saying? So There's, there's, a, predi- is there's a
0: predictability about a, a strong some malefic. There's yeah, predictability, exactly.
1: Yeah. You can kind of organize it. for
0: consistency, uh, yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. So uh, so there is something to even malefics uh, having a dignified strength, just even that word dignity, to be in dignity. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, this uh, idea of strong, then we've covered utcha, exaltation, and then this uh, 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 swasta of onrashi. Now, there are a couple of other ways in which a graha can be strong. And one of these um, I've mentioned in the, the last podcast in terms of motion, but I didn't really kind of make the case of sort of the view from the East. Mm-hmm. And that is when a graha is vakra, or retrograde. So I described what retrograde motion looks like and the fact that it's an artifact of observation, actually. But I kind of didn't go through the argument, uh, kind of the counter-argument, that retrogression actually, in Shastra, unequivocally, shows uh, an intrinsic inherent strength. Mm. This runs very counter- to the entire Western point of view about retrograde grahas. And there is a kind of sense, if you look up the dictionary meanings of vakra, which is what retrogression is, um, you know, you can kind of see where Western astrology may be uh, coming from. Mm -hmm. But, what is primary about a graha is its visibility. We talked about this, you know, way, uh, way back with the astronomical basis um, for uh, that observation is where this all comes from initially. So the the full moon is considered to be very auspicious. The sun has all kinds of graha karaka you know, around royalty and central authority and power and leadership because it's bright and consistency and loyalty, you know, and all this kind of stuff because of its visibility. And the same with the moon, the full moon, okay? Mm-hmm. So interestingly, the next brightest object uh, in the sky other than sun moon are retrograde planets. And we saw that retrogression happens when the outer planets, especially inner planets too, are closest in their orbit to the Earth. And the ramification of that is they become seeable. They're bright because they're close. You know, we talk about Mars' closest approach in God knows how many years, and then Mars looks like a neon sign in the sky mm-hmm. at that time. And you can't miss it. In fact, I remember when that happened, people said, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just was so striking. Yeah. So it's very, uh, this understanding uh, I I I went through this with someone that came to, to one of my seminars, Western uh, astrologer. Uh, we actually become uh, friends in the meantime, and he you had know, always hoped that I'd sort of forgotten this incident. We laugh about this, <laughs> but I was going through exactly this phase of of my seminar, and uh, you know, from his Western astrological point of view, you know, he was very stuck on the fact that you know this couldn't be a good thing if a graha would retrograde. And so, you know, I posed the question um, when you go out and look at a Mars like that, or Jupiter last summer was retrograde high in the heavens, it was gorgeous. I don't know if you, if you noticed it or anyone out there did, but it was just beautiful. And everybody asked me, What is that up there? I said, That is a retrograde Jupiter. Gee, isn't that awful? <laughs> yeah, right. Because the point is that you would not notice night after night that jupiter was moving infinitesimally backward you wouldn't notice that you would notice that it's bright sure. and beautiful that's yeah. what you notice okay mm-hmm. so in in understanding this we turn to shastra and what does shastra say about retrograde grahas well if you look at some of the yoga chapters you know particularly in um uh, palladipika by mantreshvara he has very beautiful yogas that are formed by retrograde um, uh, grahas. So, for example, he talks about uh, if um, any of the natural benefics, the the naisaragiga shubha grahas, natural benefics, Jupiter, Mm. Mercury, Venus, or the moon, happen to be in the ninth bhava with bright rays. That means retrograde. Mm. Uh, And aspected by or associated with friendly grahas that person will become a great king, who's worshipped by his subjects like a divine being. Okay. Mm. Now, this languaging, uh, I'm going to do a series of lectures on how to under how to decode shastra. This kind sure. of languaging, and right. it's just so critical in understanding Jyotish properly. And elsewhere in his chapter, he says this amazing statement: even a single planet, even if it's Nietzsche is capable of making the native a king, providing he be with brilliant rays, retrograde, and occupying a good house. If there are two or three planets like this, the native will become a king. When there are many planets like this, they they will usher in a king blessed with all the insignias of royalty. Okay? Retrograde. Bad, right? Right. No, not bad. And even if you consult Shastra in terms of the quantitative method of Figuring strength that I referred to, you'll find that um, retrograde planets receive a unit of strength, full unit of strength. Mm -hmm. So it's nonsense to say that a retrograde planet kind of is inward, doesn't manifest anything. Of course it does. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant light in the sky. Even when we see Shani, when it's retrograde, we see it. You know, most of the other time we can't see it. So, now, there is a phenomena that goes on with the inner planets, you know, where they can be retrograde and combust close to the sun at the same time. And so it's not exactly the same kind of pratyaksha, direct experience, but the, the inference is that it has gained strength by this retrograde motion being closer to the earth and more of an influence. So is that clear?
0: Oh, it's very clear, and I was just thinking that in my own chart, Um, I have exalted Saturn, but retrograde in fairly low number of degrees. Mm -hmm. And I've always, you know, a lot of the Western interpretations of Jyotish would say, because it's retrograde and low in degrees, it's weak and malefic. And that has never really matched my experience.
1: No, absolutely not. And especially if Saturn winds up ruling good Bhavas in your chart. That is a huge blessing. In fact, Ramakrishna Paramahansa has a retrograde uh, Uchegs. And and of course, there are many other things in that chart. But that is one of the um, reasons that he was the uh, unbelievable personage that he was. Mm. So, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it, as they say. Uh, so well, no I do sedu- tell my
0: I, I I do tell my children about my awesomeness frequently, but it hasn't made an impression <laughs> yet.
1: <laughs> well, you have to be consistent about it with that Saturn, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But but so it's, but it's
0: very but it's very true that that retrograde, is, you know, you know retrograde is not something to be afraid of any more than, um, the, you know, the natural malefic or benefic. The status of a of a planet they they all can do good when strong.
1: Right now, here's the deal with retrogression, though this uh, this capacity to be bright and noticeable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it is um, not um, it's not the same dignified status as soi and exalted. Sure. So it's more a, of a raw strength, we could say. Mm-hmm and so it's very important when dealing with a retrograde graha to really understand uh what the influences on it are and you know and how it's uh how it's channeled so to speak and very specifically what its dispositor is doing just like the the um uh, Ucha planet you have mm-hmm. to look at the owner the landlord uh a retrograde planet who swa we don't have to uh, be so concerned about. But as soon as it's in someone else's um, rashi, then we really want to know what that dispositor is doing. And we really want to know what bhavas that retrograde graha is owning in order to understand whether that strength is going to come forward in a way that's destabilizing for the person. But in some way, that retrograde graha, just by being strong, and visible, will protect mm-hmm. the themes of the bhavas it owns. You know, this back to this idea that even a malefic will do that. And also uh, it's karaka, um, it's graha karaka tattvas, it's it's, uh, it's what it stands for in a in the archetypal way, will yeah. come forward strongly because it has shakti, it has strength. Sure. strength, yeah. Okay, next, the moon, is not a graha that can be retrograde. The moon never goes retrograde, Mm -hmm. and neither does the sun. So the moon achieves strength uh, by being uccha, exalted, by being swasta, um, omrashi in Cancer, but it also achieves strength by being bright. And in many ways, it sort of mirrors the the Tatagrahas, the ones that actually go retrograde and combust. So they're either very visible, or when they're uh, on the opposite side uh, of the sun and you have to kind of look through the sun to try to see them, you can't see them. Uh, And that's a weakness that we'll get to in a second. The moon, in a similar way, uh, we all know, it's our experience, has times of the month when it's bright and beautiful very manifest Mm -hmm. and times of the month when it's uh you can't see it at all we call it new moon and full moon right and it's waxing cycle and waning cycle and that's something we could um we we mentioned um uh, a little bit in the past and maybe we'll go into it in more detail at some point but the point is in terms of this discussion of what constitutes strength when a moon is full And when it's almost full, we consider that a very strong moon. And we aren't going to um, uh, be very uh, picky. If a moon is, you know, close to full, you know, a couple of days before full, a couple of days after full, it might be not quite in the Rashi right opposite the sun, which is what constitutes a full moon. So, you know, a moon starts off with the sun at new moon time. And then it moves, you know, through the days it moves away from the sun and then achieves its maximum brightness when it's 180 degrees away from the sun. And that's the technical definition of full moon. Mm. But when it's almost there or just after our own experience of that moon, we aren't going to go out there and say, oh, well, it would be a beautiful moon if it were absolutely full, but the poor thing <laughs> has a tiny little piece missing. Sure. No, that's right. not our experience. We won't say that at all, right? right? So in terms of evaluating strength, we give full strength to a moon that's maybe six, seven, or eight bovas away from the sun. So starting around 150 degrees to, you know, within 30 degrees of the full moon, um, you know, we will, we will say that's good enough to have full strength. Mm-hmm. So that's another strength consideration. And then uh, two more. Um, when um, a graha is in a particular kendra, now remember again, way back when, we talked about the fact that grahas that are in the four um, true cardinal directions, east, west, north, south, They have Shakti. The Shastra tells us they're active Mm. and they make themselves, their influence felt. And it turns out that each graha, uh, again, exception of Rahu Ketu, the chaya or shadow grahas, has a particular um, direction that it's really happy in. It operates the best. Mm. So there's kind of um, little mnemonic devices to remember this by. Um, I think the the best one is to start with the sun. Our experience, our daily experience, is that when the sun is at the midheaven, it's especially powerful. No brainer. We all know that. And it happens to be true that when the sun is in the 10th Bala, it has directional strength, the midheaven. And so this term, Digbala, directional strength, is also. Uh, one of these portfolios of uh, of power, and we attribute then that that graha is a player in the chart. Mars is also uh, has dikbala or directional strength in the tenth bhava, and it's also a pitta or fiery planet, so it's easy to remember. Both sun and Mars operate best at midday. Mm, yes. Then um, Jupiter and Mercury have a preference for the same baba, and that is the east, the dawn. And the mnemonic device around that one is that they are planets of learning and prayer. And in traditional societies, uh, the best time for worship and for learning is first thing in the morning. Sure. So they have directional strength when they uh, are in the first baba, And then the seventh bhava is where the twilight of Saturn becomes um, powerful so Saturn in uh, um, Lord Yama <laughs> so to speak mm-hmm. um, operates in the twilight and so seventh Bhava, Saturn has directional strength. and then that leaves Venus and the moon we can say they're the planets of home and a hearth um, and at midnight in the north then uh, people are generally home and so Venus and uh, Moon both have Digbala in the fourth Bala. Clever. That leaves only one uh, other um, strength, and uh, probably our, our next podcast will be on the other side of the coin, um, the weakness. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'll probably end up with this. And this is something I don't want to go into in a lot of detail because it's um, it's complex subject, and that is um, during eclipses. Um, the nodes, Rahu Ketu, become very strong. Uh, There are astronomical reasons for that, of course. Um, If we remember the story of Rahu Ketu, or maybe I haven't told that story, that's something we can do at some point. You may have in in one of your uh, mythology podcasts, Ben, have you? Have you done the story? Yes,
0: I I think I've done something on eclipses.
1: Um... Yeah. So we know that, um, that Rahu Ketu actually are astronomical uh, points. They're, they actually represent where the uh, where the sun cuts the, uh, sorry, where the moon cuts the ecliptic uh, at two points. And when the sun, moon, and those points line up at uh, particular times of the year, uh, at the new moon or at the full moon, then we get our uh, solar and lunar eclipses. So it has to do with a dance, we could say, a recurring dance between sun, moon, and Rahu Ketu. And therefore, when the sun or moon is eclipsed, it means that Rahu Ketu has has created this illusion of shadow. It's not that the sun moon disappear. It's that the illusion is that they have. And yeah. Rahu and Ketu are always powerful at that time. They're the master um, t- stage light technicians that cause this phenomena of the sun or moon being shadowed or disappearing. Mm-hmm. And so we give them strength at the time of eclipses. So I think that that probably um, should constitute our talk for today. Okay. Uh, and we will um, we'll pick this up with the opposite co- side of the coin under what instances are the grahas weak. Um, good, so I look forward to that.
0: No, I do too, and I think I think it's interesting because if you really grasp the concept of strength and weaknesses, and, and, you know, you, it allows you to sort of connect and you, connect the chart together by just adding in the idea of uh, drishti or aspects and house ownership and you've got the basics.
1: Yeah, you really do. And, and, and so you know, actually I, I will do just one parting shot before we um, uh-huh. end because this is something I want to emphasize over and over and over again. Just like an orange is not an apple, uh, the idea of strength and auspiciousness are two separate categories. Right, so st- right. strong and weak is completely different uh, level of analysis between we could say auspicious or inauspicious or malefic or benefic. Uh, they are completely different. They're independent variables. And people yes. in, in, invariably, <laughs> mix those up and start to mix them together and that's very um, dangerous in terms of properly um, understanding and establishing uh, you know the right line of thinking in terms of chart interpretation so i will say this probably a million more times but it's worth saying it, it
0: is because there's there's a lot of subtlety in jyotish that's very important and you can make huge mistakes in interpretation If you forget them. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Good, wonderful. Okay, thanks, Penny. You're very welcome.